0: Welcome to the Pipe Pager podcast, the podcast that covers sales, marketing, and recruitment, all while having a beer. Enjoy. I am delighted to be joined by Matt Comber, somebody that I've known for many, many years, uh, somebody that I would go to for advice. I'm delighted to bring into your ears and to your eyes today. Matt, would you mind giving a quick introduction to the people at home?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as, as Darren has already said, Matt Comber, I'm the CEO of SourceFloat, uh, we are a recruitment website, uh, recruitment marketing uh, technology specialists. Um, so, obviously, that's everything from building websites, going through the kind of creative process, these kind of custom builds, to then building the marketing technology, or at least part of the marketing technology that kind of sits behind that part of the world. You know, anything from attracting uh, talents through to converting it, and then um, everything through to you know tracking return on investment.
0: I think it's fair to say that you live and breathe recruitment websites throughout your career, right?
1: Yeah, that's a very first statement. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of I am inch wide, mile deep on that one thing, Darren, that is for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there you go. A bit like me with uh job posting we could say. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it when it comes to websites, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in the recruitment space is that it varies from a one page, you know, sales brochure through to, you know, your multi pages websites, candidate funnels, all the good things. If you were just starting out, let's say you just started an agency, what do you think you need your website to be?
1: I think if you're just starting out, it's it, so this is this is how I look at it. Um and as I'm answering this, by the way, I'm gonna crack open, if that's okay, my first alcohol-free beer of the day, which is a Moresi Zero. Yeah. Um so I gave a drinking about three years ago, so it's kind of always try january for me. But um, yeah, so what I would say is if you are uh, a startup agency and some, some advice that uh, a CFO gave to me years ago is that when you get a website, you always want it to be bigger or make you look bigger than you actually are at that moment in time, right? So hmm. if you're if you're a one-person agency, you probably want to look like a 10-person agency, right? Or you want it to, to look like a, a 15 to 20-person agency. Um, if you're a 15, to 20-person agency, you're going to want to look like a 100-person agency and, and kind of so on and so forth. Um So I think the first thing you wanted to do is it's got to be fit for purpose in that it can do all the stuff. It makes you look bigger rather than than you are right now. And it tells everybody all the stuff that you're really good at. So that's the first thing that I would say. It doesn't necessarily need to do everything. You might not have a lot of jobs, right? So there's a consideration that, you know, you're not going to want something that has necessarily uh, you not not always need job capability on it. in the first one uh, on your kind of first website. I think that is beneficial if you're looking to stand out. Um, but I don't know if it's a necessity. You want something that really kind of shows you off, your personality, and kind of the scale of the business and the type of clients that you might work with, because you're probably going to use a few BD activities probably as much, if not more, than you would for kind of candidate activities. So yeah, it's got to really just show you off as a you know the credentials behind it, right? If somebody actually goes and googles you, they might look at it and think, yeah, these guys look like a credible business. So yeah, I think that's probably for a starter. What I'd probably advise.
0: Got it. And how does that change over time? Let's fast forward that journey they're on. They're two years in and I, I, I'd hope by that point they've invested in marketing. You know, they've, they've got a, yeah. maybe a marketer. Yeah. What do you need from your website at that point in your journey? Let's say you've, you know, you have scouted sort of five, 10 recruiters in the business and you want to go to that next level. How can your website help you with that?
1: I think when you start to get to that scale, you know, there's the canvassing that you're doing is effectively a lot different. Right. Um, So, you're in the, the realms of actually having jobs, probably a volume of them. You know, you're probably gonna have any recruiter working, I don't know, maybe five to ten jobs at any one time, maybe more than that, right? So you're probably gonna have a, a kind of mass of around maybe fifty, sixty jobs that you might have um for your agency at that point. So actually having them on a website is now starting to build that bit more of a critical mass of the website. So that's when I'd say things like your job search is gonna come in more important. Also, I think when agencies kind of get to that size, their brand has kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger uh, as they've been going. So the brand is becoming more and more important to them as a business. And so, you know, what, what we've seen in kind of the companies that we start to work with, they tend to be kind of like 10 plus agents, 10 plus heads. But obviously, throughout my career, I've worked with startups right the way through to and large scale enterprise. But there's businesses that have just kind of broke out that like one to 10 head mold. It tends to be that they're now starting to establish their brand in whatever kind of niche sector usually that they're actually working in uh, and so for those companies in particular um how, how they look, how their brand is represented, the kind of thought process that's gone on for their website, like that step up and that usability and experience starts to become much more of an issue than it was you know, and there was like one person in a bedroom. Um, they are the companies that want to look like the 100-person head company digitally um, so that the types of clients that they can work with can then maintain their growths from. Um, it does seem to be like this, um, like almost like a magic number, but once you clear like 25 recruiters, I feel like that's the acceleration point. Like if you can get to 25, then you can accelerate to 100. Like, you know, and you can go on from there. That tends to be kind of where we see it and are where I've seen it. So, yeah, those companies that are in that like 10-plus space, they really want to look like 25, 50, 100 plus head agencies. And that's where we we see brand, job search, really that kind of investment in content marketing or digital marketing aspects um, come in. So that's why I think the platform, like having a kind of specialist platform at that point with kind of really bespoke branding and stuff like that, the mix of those two together is quite a powerful thing at that level.
0: Yeah. And this is probably... A loaded question, right? Just because I know the company... You, yeah, you should definitely
1: buy it from source. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, exactly right. I mean, I'm expecting <laughs> that to be the answer. But what would be advice to be to people that need to go through that vendor process, right? Because there are so many choices out there. And yeah. there'd be a lot of people that I speak to that would say, oh, no, I really dislike my website vendor, right? And then I speak to the same person. They like, oh, go, no, I love them, right? So what is your what's your advice to those people where if they're looking to get a new website, how do they start?
1: So, I think it's different. First, first thing I say, it's different than CRM,
0: mm. right?
1: So it's a different process than CRM. And sometimes I see people try and apply like the same CRM logic to website logic, and I don't think those two things are the same thing. Um, and what I mean by that is the CRM world, much of a muchness, they do quite a similar thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of shared commonality, and, and like, there's a lot of commonality in that industry and shared kind of features. I think the website space is different in that if you you know from, if I kind of put my business out on for a second, what we provide is a lot of services and what CRMs provide is a lot of product and they're yeah. different things really with that. Um, now we have, and we are a product company that does services, I would say, Sourceflow is in that category. But I'd say that the first thing you've got to think of is if you've just come out of like a CRM process or you've been through a CRM process, you're going to have to approach this slightly different. Um and some of the things that you, you need to look for. First of all, you probably need to start doing that needs analysis kind of early on uh, in the process to say exactly what we need this thing to do, and not necessarily go into it blind because you know I've done this for a long time, and there's some really good salespeople out there in this in our space. Like we are hampered, unfortunately, by some really really good salespeople at times, and uh, and fair play uh, at, at that level, but. You know, there's some people that really can kind of push that, like dream promise in, in this space. And it's and a lot of people buy into that without actually realizing what they actually need and doing that needs analysis straight away. So I think you've got to kind of start off there with what do we actually need this thing to do? Like where are we today? What do we want to look like? And then that needs analysis will follow on things like goals and objective setting, like benchmark where we are today, where do we want to be in the future? Okay, right. So we need to work with vendors who are able to take us to that next level. Right. If we don't care about the next level, that's gonna change the type of vendor that we might we might want to work with. If we do wanna get to it's that next level, that's also gonna impact the vendor that we work with. So I think just the real kind of um I's and t stuff at the start uh, of the project and the kind of process is is vital really. I think I think that's like kind of like a, a big step. Um I, I don't, there's not like a I know in CRM world there's like uh, people out there that will will um draw up a process for you and take you through a tender and then RFP and stuff like that. Like, don't bother. Like, ditch the RFP process. You can do it yourself and just draw up your needs analysis, your goals, your benchmarking, where you are today. Start to think about who your team is. Good's going to work on this website internally. Think about your content and all those kind of assets and all those things that you need to create. And then when you go to market and you kind of shortlist down. Um, we we were part of a of a, a pitch recently, and there were things. There was eighteen companies in the pitch process, and wow. I think it's just too much. I I, sure. I genuinely think like. And to be honest, like, there's a lot of vendors that would have backed out. If I'd known there was 18, probably at the start, and maybe it would have backed out of that process because, you know, who are you going to – It does it become a price war at that point? You know, there's, there's, you're probably seen this yourself, right? People will kind of shortlist a lot of vendors, and then they'll go, oh, I'll just go with the cheapest one. It's like, you
0: yeah, know, it's a shortlist like five, a lot of vendors like five, that you could have done. Five, on, right? <laughs> it's yeah, a lot
1: of five-minute calls. So, yeah, I'd say that, yeah, you, you, you probably need to start to bear in mind who you're going to speak to based around what you need to actually go and do. You know if you need something that's just really quick and simple and you know doesn't need to do much jazzy stuff then you know there's there's companies out there who are really good at that we're not one of them so when we hear that we're like great go and speak to these maybe three four companies they're probably in that space and we occupy a different part of the market so yeah i think that needs analysis at the start is, is crucial for
0: a lot of businesses and not and not getting distracted by the the flashy lights the sparkly things right so always come back to what your needs were at the start and make sure it's still delivering on that throughout the process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how controversial I can be on this, but it was called beers With, so I'm figuring we could probably <laughs> get a little bit, le- little bit leery. Um, so <laughs> so the, I think, unfortunately, um, the there's, there's web vendors have got a not a great name, genuinely. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of web vendors that have got a really bad name for different reasons. And um, I'm not going to get into that too much, but you know, the, and some have great some have great reputations, and then that changes over time right things change so yep. what what I'd say is that because of that, people are more skeptical about working with companies, and sometimes we see people make bad decisions what I consider it a bad decision based on previous uh, bad experiences, and they'll kind of jump into like the um the, the, the selling the dream kind of situation a lot into the, in this industry. And it's not just with recruitment specialist providers. It's actually with kind of marketing agencies and digital marketing agencies who will sell a dream just to win business because it's tough for certain companies, right? It's very, very competitive. And so yeah. there's a lot of that. So sometimes like now in particular, a lot of the companies that, well, a bunch definitely a percentage and a material percentage of the companies we work with, um, have had problems for two to three other uh, vendors previously. And we're coming to them. And so some of the work we have to do is a bit of an expectation reset at that point. Like, we're not that vendor. You know, we are not that company. We are a very different proposition, maybe, than what you've seen with a lot of different experience and things like that. So, yeah, definitely don't just go for the, oh, yeah, we can do that. Maybe, like, how are you going to do that? Where have you done that before? And agree the scope, sign it off, etc. Yeah, et like, where have you done that before? How would you do that? Like, what, can you show me what, what that actually looks like? Those kind of questions, I think, that you need to be asking.
0: Yeah, so do do a lot more due diligence than just, yeah, they sound like a great guy and they've told me they can do it, so let's, let's sign up.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, here's a three-year contract. And you're like, oh. And then like two weeks in, it's like, oh, can't do any of that now. Well, great. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then well, you're I, kind
1: of stuck in that, yeah.
0: I get that. One of the most common, common, I don't want to say mistakes, but misconceptions, I think, is the time it will take to produce a new website. A lot of people I speak to say, oh, we're getting a new website. It'll be done within a month. And I think, yeah. It won't. <laughs> it just won't. What's <laughs> yeah. your experience in that in that regard? How long a website normally takes to deliver, what they should set their expectations at?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, you know, there's movable parts, right? It's like people, but it's a time, money, and quality are like the three things that, and you can't, if you remove one, it, it, the others are impacted, right? So you can have something cheaper, but it's going to affect the quality and, and so on and so forth, right? In that kind of triad. I think you can have it quicker. And, you know, I know now there are people out there that kind of sell sell websites on, like, you can have it in, like, three weeks. But you've got to ask yourself what you're getting for something to be delivered in three weeks, right? You know, like, just a creative process takes time to go through, right? And so the way I look at it with customers is we have about a a range of about an 8 to 16-week window that we say it takes for a customer. So it's a really wide window that, right? You know, it's, like, it's quite a lot of room in that. And the reason why we set it quite wide is, firstly, like I just said, the creative process can and sometimes definitely should take longer than you might think, right? So if you if you want it to look really good, you should spend more time with one of our designers sitting down and crafting it. We don't use templates. There's no, like, template builder that 20 other companies are going to have a variation of. You know, you're getting it with our designer, and it's going to be like that, right? That takes time, you know, to build something like that and to design something like that. And our customers then probably want to take that design internally to a team, they want to present that back internally. And they kind of want to say, hey, here's uh, here's the latest round of designs that we've just done with this company. What do you think? And they're going to gather feedback and then they're going to bring it back. And then we're going to iterate on that. You know, just with a busy agency, that's going to take a little bit of time, right? So you could say that could take two to three weeks just to go through that process for maybe one or two custom pages, right? So it, it takes time. Then we've got to build it. And it goes to a skilled, in our case, very highly skilled um, front-end website developers. Well, that's going to take a couple of weeks. So you're already into like the six, seven, eight weeks window. And the reason why we give kind of more on top of that is uh, QA is checking. uh, Like, is, you know, is all the content loaded properly? Does it render on every device? You know, that kind of process. But also our customers have got to load content. And sometimes they've got to write content and they've got to find imagery or they've got to have photos taken or videos Their offices. That's going to add it onto the project as well. So we tend to say to people, look, just expect this to take, you know, three to four months. And if it happens quicker, great. But, you know, expect it. And then plus we've got integrations with other software, right? Usually that we're doing, it could be a multi-poster. Um, it could be a CRM piece of software. They can sometimes take a little bit of time as well based on schedules and things like that. So yeah, it's, there are people out there that can fly your website up, but you've got to think like, what am I getting for that? Like, is it going to be my product or am I getting a rehashed product that a hundred other companies could have the same kind of thing and, and like look and feel product in, in the next year? So yeah, I guess you do get what you pay for. If you pay less money, you will get a product quicker. The quality won't be there, right? It's just, it just—it just isn't there. And yep. so we don't operate in that part of the market. People do. That's fine. Um, and you kind of back to what you need, right?
0: What do you need as a business?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why we tend to operate above ten. Back to that kind of conversation at the start. Those are agencies that want a bit more and want to kind of go further, I just don't think should settle for like these like generic template platforms right they're worth more than that and you don't have to spend like factors more it's not like 20 times more expensive to move from like a click and drag builder up to up to source it's really not it's like only maybe two to three x maybe 2x it's not like a huge amount more um but the exponential value that you get for your brand is probably 10x at that point for for, for managers like that
0: all comes back to those needs now i know you could talk about recruiting websites for for england for the next whole of 2023 if we're being honest probably yeah uh, I know you've got a new Playbook out. Do you want to just let people know where they can download that? And we're going to move on to something slightly different after.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Recruitment Website Playbook, it's uh, part one in a series of four, um, maybe five, uh, that we're launching. They um, can get it on our website. We've got a resources area on the sourceflow.co.uk website. They can download it from there. It's kind of a brain dump of our knowledge of building probably 3,000 websites in the recruitment industry over the years, for some of the biggest brands in the world, Manpower's Kelly Services, Adeco, people like that, right? We've taken all of that knowledge. We spoke to specialists in the industry with some great kind of expert opinion in there from, I think, some of the better marketers in this industry. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have worked with all of them. And, um, yeah, it's 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 a, effectively part one is about planning. So a lot of what we talk, talked about, planning on how we build uh, you know, a kind of the best recruitment website that you possibly can. So there's a load of content in there. Um, there's, I think, um, seven steps, as we call it, to kind of building your your ultimate uh, website. And that's before you get into actually building the website, right? It's those kind of initial stages for it to how we set up to do that. And then, as I say, it's a bunch of experts' opinion in there. So, yeah, you can get it on a website. It's totally free. Uh, download on there and uh, comes as a, a, a handy little PDF. But, uh, yeah, next part to that is going to be marketing and advertising. Um, which I'm really excited about. So that launch probably next month or two. Uh, around that,
0: which leads us nicely onto what I want to talk about. Actually, which was the future of recruit marketing. We've seen we've seen a lot of change in the last two to three years. Uh, for me, it's accelerated um, largely thanks to COVID. I think people realise they need to double down or or just invest anything in marketing. Yeah. Frankly, um, and for me, it's accelerated to the speed at which people now realise they need to be investing in things like brand pay-per-click, driving traffic back to the website, their website. They need a decent website to convert the traffic. Where do you think the the future's going? We're seeing the introduction of uh, GPT-3. Everybody's talking about Pager ourselves who released Ghostwriter, AI-generated content. Where do you think the future's going in the next short terms, you know, six to 12 months and maybe a couple of years after? Where do you see the future?
1: Uh, so I still don't think that AI is... Where people think what 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 people actually think it is, um, mm-hmm. like I think a lot of people kind of think of AI as like Skynet and Terminator <laughs> Two, and yes. um, there's going to be people listening and watching this who don't know what Terminator is, but go and check it out if you, if you, if you don't remember what it was. If um, you don't know
0: what Skynet is, don't bother watching. Just yeah, it yeah,
1: yeah, because now it would be quite scary, uh, probably to watch that. Um, so I don't think it's that you know, it's like machines sent back in time. I don't think we're at that level yet um, to stop the future happening. I think we're, what we're talking about, a lot of it is machine learning, right? And like the ability for a machine to kind of get better and better and better at understanding what something is, right? So, and we've been seeing this for years, right? The education, right? You, there's capture codes that Google have done. And it's like, tell me what the what a motorcycle is. And everyone's clicked it. And then Google's like, ah, that's what a motorcycle is, right? That's the machine learning element of like which of these things are part of the motorcycle, right? So, you know, I think the, the machines are getting better and better and better. I think that's the kind of, that's the key here. Um, So where do I think it's going to go for recruitment marketing? Well, we start with GPT, because obviously that's hot on the agenda right at this moment in time. I think it's going to take out some of the, I think you guys wrote it brilliantly, like writer's block, right? And it's that kind of Kickstarter thought process. So, you know, hey, Chat GPT, give me uh, an example of 10 topics I could write about around, how difficult it is to get a job in IT. Right. And it will do that, right? It will say, here's 10 topics that we think you could write about. And it'll give you a one-liner in each of them. And then you can either bang those back into ChatGPT and get it to go to write a little bit, or you can get it, or you could write your own content off the back of it. So but but that's not replacing the person who understands it. I did see somebody say, I think the chat tools will be owned by the people who know how to feed the information into it best. Yep. and you know, which that's put in. I still think that's going to be the case for about the next couple of years.
0: We're already seeing new jobs arise around prompt engineers. You know, not not developers. Prompt engineers, prompt engineers, people that are actually skilled at writing prompts or AI.
1: Yeah, so that's an amazing job to have, right? Um, um, I, I, I get it. I I get it. Um, and I think you know that will grow. Um, I don't think that takes away from what a good marketing strategy is. And being able to build a marketing strategy and fit this content into, you know, into something else. Like if we both put the same thing into ChatGPT, we probably going to get the same result, right? If we both have exactly the same keywords, or well, we're all going to start to get it. So if everyone dilutes the market with the same type of ChatGPT3 uh, like content, is it going to get to a point where we're saturated? Are search engines going to start to penalize people for that type of stuff, right? Are users going to be able to spot that type of stuff? I kind of can, and I've only been using it since, like, well, December, whenever. Um, and I can already kind of start to see, you know, that type of content. So I don't think it's like this golden ticket to marketing stardom that it is. I think it will help people increase the volume that they do quite uh, dramatically. Um, but, and I think it will help uh, users self-serve
0: a lot better. I completely agree. So we, we've we obviously launched Ghostwriter. Which lets people produce their own um, LinkedIn posts from prompts. Now, the key yeah. thing for us is we coupled that with the launch of something called Human Factor. So, marketers can say how many changes somebody needs to make before they can post it. Yeah. It's really important for me that actually you realize that AI is there to get you 90% of the way. You still need to have a tone of voice. You still need to put your yeah. own opinion on it, your own call to action. Because without the call to action, how does it lead into your strategy? You know, you need to you need to see it as a way to give you something back that the one thing we can't create more of, right, which is time. It gives yeah. you back time. So for for years, we've heard AI is going to replace recruiters. It's not, right? It might replace no. the really shit ones, just putting that out there. But the yeah. ones that are good, it gives you back time so you can do more of what you should be doing, which is having conversations with clients and candidates. Yeah. yeah. That's the big thing for me. It's all about saving you time and giving you back time.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do here is um, is build a really nice experience for people to find the right job. You know, ultimately, if you, if you kind of break it down, recruiters are just trying to find the right people to put them in the right place. And mm. ChatGPT is not going to fix that problem. <laughs> You're not going to say, hey, find me a uh, .NET developer tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I know just the one. Like, it's not yeah. going to do that. Um, it, it, we're not there. And we're, I don't know if we'll ever be there, right? Never say never, right? But um, maybe we'll be. But it, we're not there, and we won't be for the next 10 years in that space, right?
0: Um, yeah.
1: So, in the meantime, it's still the same fundamentals about getting the right content strategy, the right information to the right people in the right spaces at the right time. It's about timing. You know, Bullhorns spoke a lot about this at their engage event um, about the timing uh, element of any communication with people, be that WhatsApp or text or email and things like that. It's all about timing, the, getting your, your information in front of people at the right time. Chat GPT and GPT 3 is not going to fix that right now, right? We're not in that space. It's just going to probably help you write some blogs for your website. It might help you prompt some stuff for a LinkedIn post, but it's not going to make sure that the right person sees that LinkedIn post at the right time. There's other tech that has to come along. There's experience, the human elements, as you say, that's going to have to do that. So what I would say is, uh, and people might say, well, you're going to say this because that's who you sell to. But I think the role of marketing in recruitment should already be a lot bigger than it is and will become a lot, lot bigger in the next five to ten years, than it is right now. I currently think it's the hardest job in recruitment. It's going to be some recruiters that Are really kind of trying to hammer me for that? Um, you you've got to explain it, more now. Yeah, well, look at the turnover. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the turnover of marketers and recruitment is very, very high. We think about recruiters having like higher attrition rates, but recruitment marketers have a really high attrition rate, and it's multifaceted in that it's quite difficult in a very uh, sales commission based world and a stats everyone carries a number world. For a marketer to explain why they're driving brand awareness to somebody, yeah, because because it, it's very difficult to attribute a pound back to a brand awareness, um, and then it's also very difficult to show ROI through um, client activity. You know, we generated this client; they went on to we went on to build X, Y, Z. Very, very difficult at the moment. It's actually a big thing that we're working on at the moment to fix that and uh, and build some some tech around that. So, I think it's a really, really difficult space to be in. However those companies with the best teams are invariably the ones that perform highest.
0: So you can look at it, you you know, get more of them. Have you ever seen a a company go fully in on demand gen versus lead gen in your, in your space? Uh,
1: uh, there is one company, um, that I've kind of seen do it. And, uh, but that's about it. Yeah. I know. So, Spencer Ogden, a few years back, went sort of down this route um, where they closed off all external sources for like a month maybe. Somebody might correct me on that. Um, like a, at least a week, maybe a month. And they cut everything other than their serum as an external source. And they kind of did that as like a internal thing rather than externally going out to, to market to see what they placed. And they did a pretty good job of it. Um, and there are companies now who are using automation and a few different bits and pieces to automatically take a job, then uh, have the automation shortlist There's one bullhorn customer or at least one bullhorn customer doing this. The job comes in based around the rating of the job, like a D job. Um, it then gets automatically assigned to the automation pool. So it will not let a recruiter work the job basically. Well, okay. And sure. it um will kind of shortlist candidates automatically, it'll send them it'll book interviews without actually touching a human because they're the jobs that they don't want their actual recruiters to work on. Yeah. That is happening right now and has been happening for a while. Um so bullhorn and the hairfish acquisition kind of enabled that type of stuff to happen more more in their world. Um and I know I'm sure other CRMs are doing similar type of stuff now, or at least hot on the heels with that. So um but I've not I've not seen I did have a view a few years back that there'd be more data scientists and recruitment agencies. I thought that that would be something. And be so I feel cool. that way. Mm, yeah, I think it should be. I think there should be more people who kind of understand that. I think because you've kind of then got like data, doing what you say, that kind of dimension, And then you've got uh, the relationship manager, right? The mm. recruiter doing that relationship management piece. And then probably tech in the middle doing all of the laborious stuff around you know, booking the interview and all that kind of good stuff around that. So
0: yeah, I think, I think that's
1: still got a place.
0: It's an interesting point of view that maybe recruitment companies should learn from tech companies and data scientists, customer success managers, I think there's room for them all inside recruitment, actually, if they actually yeah. took a step back and said, the 360 model, how do we break that down? Um, yeah, very interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I brought that up at an event, actually, and, and the, the feedback was interesting that a lot of tech companies a lot of recruitment companies didn't really understand how tech companies worked from that perspective because there's always this talk about three sixty and, and I was saying, Well, look, we have sales development, you know, they open things up, we have accounts executives who kind of close it, then we have delivery teams, and then we'll have, you know, ongoing customer success or because we call them customer experience managers. Mm. And it's very, very joined up but it's also very expertise driven um, and it takes a lot of pressure off one hand over to the other and removes that any kind of like gray areas about people's jobs. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally with you on that front.
0: That almost feels like another episode on that note. I think it's a good time to wrap up. Um, We may, we may hear from Matt again, where we talk about how recruitment companies can act like tech companies. Matt, anything you want to add just at the end before we let people uh, disappear?
1: No, uh, only to say that if you, um, uh, this is a plug for both of us because um, we've obviously got our integration working now between uh, Pager and, and Sourceflow customers. So um, if you're a Pager customer and you want to kind of see how that works and you're thinking about changing your website, getting in touch with us, and uh, I think we have have put this out, but if you are a Sourceflow customer looking at this and a Pager customer, uh, give a shout-out to our customer experience team. They'll show you how we get that set up. There's no charge for it with
0: any of our customers. Beautiful. And if you're not a Pager customer but you are a Sourceflow customer, why not? There you go. Sorry about right, Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank <laughs> you so much for your time. I will see you soon. That's Yeah.